Hello and welcome to Inspect, a show about web design and development. My name is Ajay and with me as usual is Kay. How you doing Kay? I'm good man, how are you? You alright? Yeah, I'm good. Feeling the heat and it's been quite hot the past couple of days. Yeah, it's been lovely. Yeah, this room that I'm in, I haven't got a fan in here yet. I've got a heater for winter but I need to get a fan now for summer. So, a bit of an oversight. Yeah, gonna need that. Yeah, I'm up in the loft and uh, we've only got, what, three windows up here. Give us a breeze, but yeah, it's not good enough. Yeah, it always gets hot in the loft, doesn't it? Yeah, need, need a gadget for uh, cool air. Oh, we'll get to that, we'll get to that, hold the horses. <laughs> yeah, so um, we mentioned last episode, uh, obviously we don't know what the order is of these, but they may change, but we mentioned last episode that your birthday was coming up and it's obviously come and gone now so happy belated birthday for that oh thank you for that and um yeah and we decided that we'd talk about some gadgets and what we've got on our desks and what we like and wish lists and all that sort of stuff all the good stuff so that's what today's episode is going to be about it's about our setups um yeah things that we're looking forward to buying one day and just generally what we're what we're interested in tech wise so split it up into a few different categories, um, you know, your actual desk, uh, what you have on your desk, what sort of software you use on a daily basis, any sort of gadgets that you that you use often, you know, we could leave off things like phones and tablets, which are fairly common, I suppose. And um, then the podcasting gear that we use, if there's anything specific, um, my, my setup is fairly simple. So I won't have a lot there. And then, um, yeah, I've got this section for like offline tools, just physical products that you use, stuff like pens and papers and notebooks mm. and things like that. So, um, yeah, if you want to kick it off, we can go for the desk first and just tell us a little bit about what's on your desk and what you're using. Okay, well, so I operate on two desks, one at home and the other one in the office. So the office one's fairly... Um, it's a standard. I've got um, a Dell 24-inch monitor, and um, I'm using like a, a wireless Apple keyboard and a wireless mouse, which which isn't um, an Apple one. It's just like a, a standard wireless mouse. Um, so that's the general setup in the office. But at home, I've got more of a setup here. Seeing that I was here before I went into the office, so here I've got you know I'm working off the MacBook Pro, which is a late one, <laughs> 2013. Um, and I've got the other Dell 24-inch monitor here on the desk, and I'm using a an Omoton laptop stand, a vertical stand. Yeah, I've got the same one actually. Yeah, they're pretty good. It took me a while to um, to find the one that was going to like you know look good and fit correctly and you know do what it's meant to do basically. So um, I was going to go for one of the, um, I forgot the name now, but the, the fully integrated uh, stand, which you plug your laptop into and it sort of like tight, keeps the wires all tidy and it's all connected. Is that the the Henge? That's the one, Henge Dock, yeah. But for 200 quid, yeah. I thought, big, is it really worth it? Big investment, isn't it? Especially if you're going to be moving around a lot and you're going to be plugging it in and out a lot. Eventually those those connections are going to wear out over time as quite a hefty uh, bill to replace yeah so i decided against that and just went with a standard uh Omotron stand which is which is pretty good i like it it's nice and weighty and um yeah you know it's a snug fit as well and that's the that's the key thing for me um 
I've got a, a desktop um, mobile phone charger, uh, a wireless one, uh, which is pretty handy. Yeah, so they're, they're pretty cool. Just leave your phone on it and it will just, you know, just charge away. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a wireless desktop LED lamp. So it's like a touch-sensitive uh, desk lamp. Um, it took me a while to find this one. You just said, you just said a wireless desktop lamp? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's wireless. Oh, battery-powered? Yeah, well, yeah, it's got an onboard one, hasn't it? And but yeah, it doesn't need to be plugged in by no like you know okay. AC adapters or anything like that. So, and it, it lasts pretty long as well. So it's pretty cool. The light that comes off, it's nice and, and clear, and um, yeah, it's nice. So I've, I've got one of them. Um, what else have I got on my desk? Um, that's about it, really. No, no mat or anything like that. I've got one in the office, which is like a, a standard office mat. It's pretty big actually. It's massive. And everything kind of sits on it, um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's generally my sort of like setup that I've got here. Okay, yeah, fairly similar to mine because um, yeah, I'm also um, I've also got the MacBook, uh, so I've got the 2018 MacBook. It's a work, it's provided by work, so it's fairly recent. Um, I've also got the Dell uh, 20. Mine's a 25 inches, a 2515 H monitor. Um, it's a good monitor. I like it. You know, it, you can raise it up and down. It's uh, it's not 4K, but it's pretty high def. I, I don't know the exact like scaling of it or anything like that. But you know, I like the definition of it because then I can have my when I got my Chrome window open, I can have my dev tools open fairly wide, which is how I like to see it. It's almost about a third of the screen. I can have my dev tools open, and then the rest of the web page is off to the side, and then. Also, with the actual, when I'm using VS Code, I can have uh, a terminal, the built-in terminal, open over to the side of VS Code as well, where it doesn't take up too much room of the actual code environment. So yeah, I think it's a good size. I wouldn't, I'm not that interested in getting a, a bigger one. Uh, I definitely don't need a second screen, but this one's kind of at its limit, though. Um, Is it an IPS? IPS, oh, I'll have to check that. It's, yeah, it's the Dell uh, U2515H. Um, I'm not too sure if it is an IPS model. So it's a 2560 by 1440 resolution. So yeah, definitely not 4K. So 2K-ish. It's good. It's bright. It's, um, you know, it's, the bezel's fairly minimal. The stand is quite nice and, you know, it's got good cable management and it's got Plenty of inputs as well. It's got DisplayPort 2, HDMI, USB input, USB output as well. So it's pretty good. Um, what else on my desk? I've got, uh, same as you, I've got the, the Omaton vertical stand. I've got the, the double stand, so it's got two slots. Okay. Um, the reason for that is um, occasionally I charge the tablet in there as well. Just stick the tablet in. Um, because I've got my work laptop and I've got my own personal laptop, I've got option of slotting them both in there and just swapping out the cable, which goes to my monitor, so I can run both laptops off one. But I very rarely use the, the laptop on this desk now. That one's normally just... That's like the floating one, the one that moves around the house and normally stays on the lap. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, normally I use the second slot for putting work that I'm currently working on, so I just put papers in there and stuff like that. So use it as a bit of a letter rack as well. Yeah. And then because it is vertical, obviously it's closed, um, I've got a single cable coming out, which is going to a Thunderbolt 3 dock. Uh, it's an iTech Thunderbolt 3 dock. It's some, um, I can't remember where the company's from. It's iTech.cz or something like that. So 
don't know what country is CZ. Do you know? CZ, Czech Republic, maybe. Yeah, I think it is. Um, so that's where it's from, Czech Republic. It's pretty good. It's uh, it's got dual 4K screens, or you can run one 5K screen. That's what it is. Cool. Um, and then it's got like Ethernet and USB 3s and all that. So everything's plugged into that. Everything on the desk. Um, you know, my microphone, my webcam, USB like cables and stuff like that. And then um, one cable from there into the MacBook. So it's really nice. Yeah, it took me a while to choose that one. There was quite. A, there's not many on the market that support Thunderbolt 3 and they're quite expensive. This one was around about £160, I think it was. Right. But uh, it does the job quite nicely. Um, you have to install some dodgy drivers with it. That's the only downside. It, you, have to, you have to install this thing called Display Link. And that was a bit of work, getting that set up. And it also causes a slight glitch with the MacBook where when you wake the MacBook after it's gone to sleep, the audio balance shifts to one side. Oh, okay. So it gets a bit annoying. You have to either manually shift it back, but I found this, um, I tweeted about it, and someone suggested this uh, little desktop application which constantly checks if your balance is centered, and if it's not, it just re-centers it. So, That's clever, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so it's good. It just runs in the background. It doesn't have a, an icon in your dock or in your in your menu bar or anything, and it's just constantly just polling for your your audio balance and it just recenters it so it does it like because whenever it goes into sleep um it, it goes off balance so every day is you know recentering about five six times at least yeah yeah so that's really handy yeah and then like you you know apple uh keyboard wireless keyboard and mouse but then i have got a mat on my desk i've got a um it's called b-u-b-m bubmcase.com it's like a leather double-sided uh sort of leather mat so i've got a blue one it's like a navy blue on one side and then like a mustard yellow on the other side uh, and the reason i got that is because my desk i um i built my desk myself i got a uh, a piece of oak worktop and then sanded it down stained it and everything so i just wanted to protect the that surface a bit more cool yeah so that's the desk um I took a nice picture on my desk actually recently on Instagram, so I'll stick that in the show notes. You should take one of yours as well, and then we can we can put those both in. Cool. All right, cool. Um, next on the list is: Do you want to go for software next, or we'll keep that for later? I suppose you could talk. We could go over the podcasting gear because that's obviously that's all on our desk as well. Yeah. So like, um, I'm just uh, well, podcasting on the on the on the laptop using Zoom to record with yourself. Um, otherwise I'm using the anchor app on my phone, um, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, it does everything you need to do. You can edit within the app as well. Um, you can invite other anchor users onto your show directly through the app, which is a really handy feature. Um, so I still need to look into anchor and see whether it's worth moving this podcast onto it. Cause at the moment, you know, the way it's being hosted at the moment is the files are on AWS. Yeah. And then the website is just a Jekyll static site. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, so it, it's a bit of work because you need to, when you're creating your actual XML file, the XML feed, there's very specific things you have to put in for the episode. You need to put in, obviously, the, the episode number, the title description, but then you also need to put in the length of the episode in bits. Right. So you need to go and look at the file 
uh, and see how many, what's the length in bits and then you have to add that in so it's a bit there's a few hoops to jump through if you're doing it all manually um, so I'll, I'll, I will definitely be looking at Anchor and take a look at it because you can you can actually download the audio files as well and yeah you could pull them into your editing software yeah by the time this episode's out it might already be on Anchor who knows there you go yeah cool so yeah using that um, and I've got a I've got a Rode uh, lapel mic somewhere um, so I bought that last year I need to find where I've put it I haven't even opened it um, but the desktop one that I've just got hold of is a, a Trust um, desktop microphone um, the Mantis um, it's like a gaming and podcasting um, microphone it's pretty solid um, USB one um, it lo- looks good as well yeah from what I can see of it obviously on the video it looks nice yeah. so yeah it does the trick and that's about it really that's, that's my uh, that's what I'm using yeah it doesn't take much does it to, mm. to do a podcast um, yeah so I've got a Blue Yeti microphone which is a USB one as well uh, it's pretty good it's uh, I've got it mounted on a on a boom arm so it's raised up off my desk and I can sort of push it away from me when I'm not using it um, the thing I like about this mic it's got a headphone output on the mic oh, okay so so I can hear you know I can get a I can get quite a good representation of my record levels because I'm not processing my audio through anything right what I'm hearing in my headphones is coming directly from the mic um, but also the mic acts as a sound card so I can hear you as well from the via the same output um, so it's got volume control on the mic for my headphones and then it's got a record con- uh, levels control for the actual um, input on there as well so it's good um, I think it's, it's designed with podcasting in mind because it's got a, uh, a stereo feature as well where you can flick the switch and you can record left and right channels independently from the front and the back of the mic so you can sort of stand it up in between two people and record two channels that's pretty cool yeah you'll, you'll get some sound leakage I'm, I'm sure it won't be perfect but you know they've, they've thought about that feature yeah which is pretty good and then um speakers i've got some alesis elevate three speakers on my desk yeah so they're what i use generally for day-to-day music um i use some beats solo wireless headphones um although they're wireless i do tend to keep them wired most of the time when i'm at my desk because it's just there's no point in just using up battery for no reason um just keep them plugged in and uh for editing and um well, for recording, we're using Zoom uh, for the video chat, yeah. uh, which is good because it records it records the call as well and it separates the audio from your side and my side, which is handy. And then, um, yeah, we need to ex- we're obviously experimenting with some audio recording, so we're also recording independently on both sides and then merging those together later during the edit, which is all done in Logic. Um, I did a little bit of editing for the, for a couple of episodes in GarageBand. Yeah, but the tools in GarageBand are just just a bit limited. Um, the main one that's missing is a feature called Strip Silence, which is in Logic but not in GarageBand. And um, it basically scans your file, scans your audio file, and it looks for whatever your threshold is. It looks for any point that's silent in the file and just strips it out. But it doesn't move. So if it, if it takes out some silence from seconds between three and ten 
from 10 onwards it doesn't move that piece of audio then it keeps it where it is right okay so for podcasting it's great because it any silence that's on my side or any sort of low noises like if i'm breathing or coughing or anything like that it just strips it all out nice so we should get a nice clean audio um Mm. yeah so that was the reason i use logic uh and it's pretty good you know it's fairly quick to to edit a podcast with it so i'm happy with it so does that lead on to software yeah i think we can hit the software um yeah let's go through what i'm using What's in your dock? What are you using every day? Oh, God. Everything. Everything and anything. Uh, you want, you're one of those that's got everything in the dock. You never remove things. Nah. The only essentials are in, dock, in the dock. Um, everything else is kind of like there, but not there. You know what I mean? I, f- I find it really frustrating when people have, like, when you look at colleagues' laptops or whatever, and they've got all the stock apps still in their dock, the ones that they comes with, and nothing's been customised, and... You end up with this <laughs> tiny dock which spans the full length of the screen. And like, <clears throat> yeah, that's ridiculous. Just let me sort it out for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I've got a couple. Let me start with the, the web stuff, web development stuff. So I've got, um, where should we start with? So let's just start with Sketch. So I'm using uh, the Sketch app to uh, do all my design work, um, wireframes, uh, detailed front-end designs, things like that. Um, I'm also using Photoshop, um, but Photoshop is mainly being used for creating web graphics and, you know, more detailed banners and stuff, you know, with, uh, which uses like photography or things like that. Um, and I've got Affinity Designer, which I'm using for vector illustrations, uh, which I find be- better than Sketch when it comes down to manipulating vector graphics. Um, it's just so much easier. Um, using the, the Bezier curve and those tools within Affinity, especially with the latest update. Um, How does Affinity Designer compare to Illustrator? How would you... Is it on par? I was a big fan of Illustrator. Uh, I was using it um, for, for everything, like literally all kinds of design work, branding, logos, and creating icons and stuff. And, and I just thought to myself, you know, this is probably the best thing out there for vector, for vector design and working with like SVG and things like that. But, you know, I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, I'm just really paying for this tool that I'm not really using as much as I was using, right? So when I first started using it, I was using it a lot. And then slowly but surely, it was one of these things that I could see myself not really using that much. And and I was literally opening it probably once a month, if that, um, purely because I was sent an AI file, right? So... I needed it to open it. But then I looked into Affinity Designer and I got hold of a trial and it handles all file types. So it just kind of, you know, made it easier. And you just pay a one-off fee for it. You don't pay a monthly subscription. Um, But balancing um, the two, when you look at them, when you're weighing it up, I think Illustrator is the sort of like, you know, polished product. Um, Whereas... Affinity is kind of lacking a few, you know, minor things which would like make it really, really good. So, but it's there, it's there, thereabouts. Like if you if you're using um, Illustrator, you could easily just carry on using Affinity, and you wouldn't really have any, you know, major headaches. But you know, for someone like you who relies on, you know, like your shortcuts and things like that, 
um, you might get wound up by the fact that Affinity probably hasn't got those. Well, I, I was just about know. to say, like, I haven't used Affinity Designer, but I've used Affinity Photo um, as a replacement for Photoshop. That was the initial plan. Because uh, similar to you, once I started using Sketch over the past year and a half or so, uh, my reliance on Photoshop just massively dropped. And the only time I really open Photoshop now is when I'm trying to access old design files that I've created in the past, or if someone sends me something. And like you said, if I need to manipulate a photo for some reason, like, you know, obviously Photoshop for manipulating photos is number one, really. Um, so then, but the cost didn't just justify my use. So I tried a Affinity Photo as well. Um, again, it's fairly affordable. I think it was about £35 when I purchased it from iTunes. Yeah. And I liked it. It was good. Um, but like you said, you know, things like shortcuts, I had this workflow that I was so used to with Photoshop. Mm. Had all my, I had some, had a few custom keyboard shortcuts set up, but all the default ones. I just had all this like muscle memory from the past 10 years or so that I just found it really hard to switch. So luckily, you know, I get a Photoshop license through work, but I've literally only just got Photoshop from the whole of the Creative Suite installed. I don't really use anything else now. I just do every all my vector stuff, all my UI work is all done in Sketch. And I literally use Photoshop just for those uh, raster image, like manipulating those. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was very hard to get away from Photoshop when you've been using it for so long. I found it really difficult to make the full switch. And well, yeah, there's things that Finity Photo didn't have that Photoshop has got. Um, yeah, things like the content aware stuff in Photoshop. I don't think Affinity's got that. I mean, I haven't really used Affinity much recently, so maybe it has. But, you know, it, it's about time there was a, a good, solid Photoshop um, competitor. Yeah. I, I, I did use uh, Affinity Photo as well. And then I thought about it, I thought, I, I can't really make the, the jump. So I kept Photoshop, got rid of Illustrator, and got um, Infinity Designer. Uh, because with Affinity Designer, you can, you know, do your front ends in there as well. So it's got all the, you know, um, set up like Sketch has. So you can do both. But I'm finding my go-to um, application for any front end design um, and user interface stuff is Sketch. And everything's done in there. Um, so going on from that, um, I'm using Envision to do prototyping. Um, I've got the Craft plugin for Sketch as well, uh, which is a brilliant little plugin to have. Um, that just helps you to, um, you know, fill in content, create duplicate um, elements and items and things like that. It's just, it's just a really powerful um, thing that I think anyone who's a front-end designer should have with Sketch. Yeah, the duplicate content is pretty good for creating rows, but have you ever used um, XD? I have, I have used it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, their their grid tool in XD is just amazing, and I've just wished that Sketch would introduce that because the Craft plugin it does, although it creates that repeatable content, it's um, it's not fully, uh, what's the word, non-destructible. Mm. It's still got, it, it creates copies. They're not virtual copies. They're actual copies of the content. The actual copies. Whereas yeah. in XD, it creates all virtual copies. So you only ever need to edit the first one, and it updates across the whole grid. Um, so, yeah, if you're listening, to Sketch, you need to get on with that and introduce that feature. It's like working with instances. It's like it's the same principle. It's like why can't you just have utilize that 
concept behind it, you know? So, you, you know what I mean? So little things like that, but, you know, then it is a plug-in as well. So I'm pretty sure they'll have that figured out soon. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are a few others that I've used as well. Um, online um, software um, that was really popular, actually. It probably still is. I can't remember the name of it, but once I'll find it, we can probably put it in the notes. But um, similar to like XD. Yeah, the main online one is probably Figma. Yeah, there was another one, though. Um, I totally forgot the name, but it was really good. And I was using it for a while. I had about five or six projects that I actually designed using it. And it's it's got prototyping built into it as well, so I'll I'll, I'll find the name and I'll add it to Marvels, Marvel app, no. Marvels for Marvels kind of like Envision, um, but yeah, Figma is the other really real sort of big player in the market. But I don't really use Figma. I've tried it out a little bit, but I just feel a bit strange sort of designing in the browser. And I know they've got some desktop apps, but the the desktop app is basically just a web web page in a in a wrapper. It's just an electron app, isn't it? But yeah, quite happy with Sketch. Yeah, so I think like moving on from the design tools, um, VS Code to write all my code um, using that. I'm very happy with that. I mean, I had a conversation with a guy that I was interviewing last week, and he's still using Sublime. And when I told him about VS Code, um, his mind was blown. He he never heard of it. What? Okay. Yeah, and this guy's a really good developer. Like he's. His, when I asked him about his, my, one of my questions to him was, what, what's your setup like, your, you know, your working environment when you're developing a website? And he's dropping all the names and everything. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. You're using you know, Gulp and Node and things like that and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, that's pretty good. So what do you do your um, text editing in? And he said, uh, Sublime. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you're still using Sublime. And um, I showed him VS Code and it blew his mind. It it's funny because I yeah I was a Sublime user as well only up until a couple of years ago and then there was a there was like a point I would say around about two years ago where VS Code just got massively overtaken it just I don't know they just really ramped up their efforts or something something must have happened but it's like the whole industry switched to VS Code all of a sudden yeah um, I think it was probably around the time when um, when VS the Visual Studio for Mac came out which is around the same time as well. So you could start doing like .NET Core on a Mac. And I think a lot of people at that point started seeing, oh, okay, you, you know, VS Code is sort of the light version of it as well, which which allows you to, you know, do front-end work really well. And, um, yeah, since then, not look back, really. Yeah, it was your brother who actually told me about it. He sent me a link. He, he was sitting opposite me in the office, and he said, he sent me a link. He said, download, download this, boy. <laughs> So I clicked the link, downloaded it, and I've never looked back. Yeah, it's good. You got yours customized quite a lot, or fairly, fairly bare bones. Yeah, it's fairly customized. I've got like you know, got um, a, like additional themes like I've um, downloaded. So I'm using a, a completely different style of uh, uh, theme, probably less conventional than most people are using. Um, and I've got quite a few li- little sort of like add-ons or plugins in there as well. So uh, any favourites? That you can think of. I think um, can't really think of anything that's you know really really you know up there. Like I, I do like the Bootstrap um, uh, plugin as well. That that's uh, a real lifesaver. So when you're um, it auto completes your your code basically. So when you're putting a class name, 
or you know creating um, a grid or anything like that it will just you know list everything that you're potentially going to choose and it will kind of like you know fill it in for you so that's a pretty powerful thing to use you could probably do an episode on, on all your VS Code plugins because there's some quite good ones. I've got quite a long list of extensions. Some of them are just sort of sitting in the background doing something, which I don't really realise that I've got them installed. Um, mm. But some of them I'm, I'm you know, sort of quite actively use them for very specific things. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favourites I think is called like auto-close tag. Um, and no, yeah, there's auto-close tag and there's auto-rename tag as well. It's a shame there's not one that does both, but yeah, the auto rename tag is basically if you've got like a, let's say you've got a div with some text inside it and you think, oh, okay, no, that should really be a paragraph. You can just go to the opening tag and just rename uh, div to P and it automatically renames the closing tag as well. Nice. Which I think Sublime used to do that out of the box, but for some reason VS Code doesn't. Um, and then there's auto close tag, which is, as you can imagine, it just automatically closes your your tag when you hit a forward slash. Yeah. Um, so there, those two are like I. Although I don't sort of do anything specific to use them, they're just always running in the background, and they're quite essential ones for me. Yeah, I think another one that I was using is, um, I mean, you know, this one's like a. I don't know how many people actually use this or find it helpful, but just a doc type for a HTML document. Oh yeah, yeah. Just just when you're starting a fresh. Uh, HTML file. Yeah, where you just put an exclamation mark and hit tab. Yeah. But that's built in because that's part of Emmet, which is now baked into VS Code. That's it, yeah. Um, and I, I remember it wasn't there before when I started using it. So I had this um, extension on there and you've got different versions of it as well. So you can pull in various different kind of... Um, different doc types, yeah. Yeah, different doc types and different sort of styles. Yeah, the HTML5 one, HTML4 transitional one. Yeah, so. that's pretty handy. That's uh, I like using that one, and then you've also got your, you know, your um, version control. Um, it's all built into it as well, so that's all connected nicely to um, uh, to uh, repositories and things like that. So it's very handy to have that, all of that, you know, in one place. Yeah, in terms of the VS Code Git uh, features, I don't I don't really use it as Git client. I um, the main time I ever use it is if there's conflicts, and I use it to as a diffing tool to to fix merge conflicts, uh, I just like the way that VS Code displays, um, you know, the the conflicting code in blue and green. Uh, it's very easy to sort of pick out the bits that you want to keep. And uh, but otherwise, I don't really use that. I use um, I use Source Tree for Git. Yeah, same here. I use Source Tree. Now, I find myself sometimes I'm working away in some code or doing something, and then I start going through the motions of you know using it, um, using yeah, so it happens from time to time, but then I got to remind myself. Hang on a minute, <laughs> we've got Source Tree running here, and that's and it's and it's there for a reason. So you know all the projects that I'm working on, that's they're all running on Source Tree. Um, so yeah, I've got VS Code. Um, what else was there? I think from a development perspective, I think that's that's all that's all I'm really using. I mean, I think this morning um, I was just getting myself set up um, using like um, CodeKit um, and. I was trying to get Gulp um, running on a, on a little uh, local environment that I've just set up for a new project that I'm working on, and it wasn't working for the life of me. Um, so I installed CodeKit, started, uh, got, and I got that running pretty quick actually, and within 15 minutes I had it up and running. But 
for some reason it wasn't outputting the CSS file. Um, so I was like trying to find the settings, and I'm pretty sure there's some settings there where you've got to uh, figure out where your build and your build code goes and everything goes. And sorry, I haven't I haven't used CodeKit in a long time. I, I used it when it was version two, I think. CodeKit two, I think it's it's past version two now, isn't it? Yeah, it has. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a couple of years since I used it. I was using that, you know, and then just just this morning I was like, oh, you know, this is just going to become a bit of a pain. I don't really want to be spending hours trying to figure it out. So I switched it off, and it's when I messaged you and you told me to, um, you gave me a, like a, a command to put into the into the a, a command line the interface, and so I tried that out. It didn't really help, but I did pick up something on a on Stack Overflow and just ran a little command on there to just uninstall um, all the dependencies, reinstall, update. And just like that, the grunt watch was working and it was just like, oh my God, you know, it just took five more minutes of, you know, searching for the answer and I found a solution to it. So now that's all working nicely in a local environment. Yeah, Brilliant. that's that's the thing with NPM. You, sometimes you just, sometimes you just need to just delete your node module folder or just like clear your NPM cache and... And just restart, like do another npm install fresh, and things start working again. Yeah, it's it does trip over itself every now and then. Yeah, I was following a Twitter uh, conversation between some uh, developers that I follow, and they're all agreeing that code kit's the way forward. Uh, everyone's just having a massive headache over uh, using npm, and the, yeah. So I don't know. Um, you know, I jumped on it; it didn't work for me. Well, I'm obviously missing something, so something in the setup isn't working correctly. But, you know, it's got all your browser watch built in as well. So that's pretty clever. It's just, it does everything um, like for you. So let's see, let's see what happens with that one. Um, but yeah, that's about it, really. That's all the all the development stuff that I'm using. Um, and apart from, well, you've got FTP as well. Um, FileZilla is um, the one that I'm using. I think everyone uses that. Um, hardly ever use it, to be honest. Um, but here and there, it's... Um, you know, I do need it. So if I'm uploading like a like a, a specific theme, or if I'm creating like a it's like a plugin or something that needs to be uploaded through FTP for safety uh, purposes, then I'll yeah I'll use it. Um, so yeah, that's all the development side of things. Um, and going into the digital art because I do quite a lot of digital art, um, Photoshop, um, along with uh, an Intuos uh, uh, tablet as well so i'll do all my drawing on the tablet and i do the drawing in either photoshop or i'll use uh sketchbook uh which is a really good tool um and the other one i just discovered is called Krita. um really nice um really really powerful uh digital art tool there's loads of these available and they're all free that's the crazy thing they're all free to download and they're all, they're all open source, and they're really fun to work with. Do they all work um, well with the tablet? Yeah, yeah, they all work really, really well with the tablet. Um, they're all designed for that particular, like the Intuos uh, tablet. So, yeah, you know, having a lot of fun with these tools. And I did used to do a lot of 3D work back in the day. I was using, like, um, 3D Studio Max and uh, Cinema 4D, um, creating, like... Um, 3D animations and things like that. And then I kind of just like, it just went off the boil. I didn't really have time to like, you know, play around with that kind of stuff. But just recently I picked up Blender, um, which is a, an open source uh, 3D modeling tool. 
And um, so I downloaded that, and that, it's, it just blew my mind how far this stuff has come now. Um, so for a free tool, it does pretty much everything the paid ones do. And, um, you know, you, you get studio uh, quality uh, rendering from it as well. So I just started messing around with that, and it is really, really, you know, a uh, good tool to play around with, especially when it, if you want to get into 3D. So, yeah, that one. Um, so that's all the digital art stuff. And then just general um, backups and uh, just storage. I use Dropbox. Um, I've got AWS set up as well for, you know, video files, which are being um, played out on websites and things like that. Um, but uh, for all project management stuff, I'm using Trello, uh, which we're using for, for the podcast to organize ourselves and organize our content. But, you know, I'm using Trello for quite a lot of stuff, actually. Projects, um, personal work, personal things, you know, daily stuff that I'm doing, um, as well as um, managing my, my intern. Um, we're using Trello to um, set up individual boards for clients uh, where we can like go through like social media management tasks and, and stuff like that. So yeah, Trello is probably the best one out there. I can't think of anything else that comes close to it. Um, but I think we discussed it in a previous uh, previous episode. But yeah, that's pretty much all the software that, that I'm using. Okay. Yeah, I mean, my, my list is fairly similar. You know, like I said, Sketch, VS Code. Um, I use iTerm as my terminal. Um, I, I, I sometimes use the VS Code built-in terminal, uh, depending on the project, but most of the time I have like, iTerm running because um, a lot of the time I need to run two processes at once and I just find it easier to open up two tabs in iTerm than create two tabs in the VS Code terminal. Um, and then I've got a few like aliases and shortcuts set up in iTerm as well to quickly like change directories to certain folders and then run run the start command, you know, with little shortcuts and stuff like that. Um, like I mentioned, Logic is the main thing I use for sort of audio thing for the podcast. Um, and then I've got a few little utilities which I use. I don't use a hell of a lot of apps um, on a daily basis. Uh, I suppose Todoist is the main one that I open almost every day. Well, I do open it every day. So I use that for managing like tasks for personal projects and for work projects. Um, it's quite good to do this because it integrates with uh, the Amazon Echo and with the Google Home. So me and my wife, we use it for some shared sh shared lists as well, like stuff to do around the house, stuff like shopping lists and stuff like that. So it's quite handy to be able to just shout out to your, you know, your Alexa. Oh, Add, add so and so to the shopping list and then it's there synced to our phones synced to her phone so if either of us are the shops so we can just carry on with that Andy. and then I use it for work as well um, one one feature I like about Todoist is if someone sends you let's say an email and it's got a bunch of like action points in there as bullet points you can copy that whole list of bullet points paste it into Todoist and it adds them as individual items right I've tried out so many of the other to-do list apps and some of them do it, some of them don't do it very well, but Todoist seems to get it quite accurate. That's cool. Which is handy. Um, use Evernote to sort of... I use it as a, uh, a way of digitising all my documents. So I try not to keep too many paper documents around. Whenever I get a, get an important letter through or something, I'll, I'll normally use the Evernote um, app to scan it and then archive it into there. Give it a, you know, a... Uh, a meaningful name sometimes add tags to it as well 
and put it put it all into folders. So, was, so I spent quite a lot of time, especially last year when I was moving house, I spent a lot of time organising all my paperwork into Evernote. Cool. And then I use it just for like general note taking as well, day to day. And then another cool app I use uh, is called Monosnap, which is for taking screenshots. Oh, okay. It's a bit more powerful than the built-in um, Mac screenshot tool, even though that's been updated recently, but it's still a bit more powerful. So it lets you take take a screenshot and then it gives you a preview of that. And then it, what you can do is you can get that preview out of the way and then you can take another screenshot and it puts it on the same canvas. So you can take multiple screenshots and build like a collage of, of those if you want. Nice. And then it's got like your usual sort of annotation tools. Uh, but the main thing that I like about it, it's got a blur tool on there as well. So you can blur out parts of the screen or completely black them out. So that's quite handy and it's free as well. Um, so you should check that out. I think that's pretty much it about in terms of software. And there's a few little utilities that I need for for work, like we use Slack and we use Microsoft Teams and Skype and stuff like that. Um, and if I ever want to make like a quick note, which I don't plan on really saving, like if I'm just jotting down notes, then I use an app called Typora, which is um, it's just a text editor, but it's got it supports Markdown as well, so you can then so you can take quite detailed notes if you want. Yeah. And then you can then export those as Markdown or as HTML or as plain text. But then right. there's no, it doesn't have any storage. So it just creates a file. Right. So that's why I'm not, if I'm jotting down something quickly, then I'll do it in type aura. And then if I want to keep that long term, then I'll paste that into Evernote or export it to Evernote if I can. And that's where I'll keep an archive of it. Uh, yeah, and that's essentially it. That's my dock. It's fairly lean, my dock is. Um, yeah. And I've also got spaces in my dock. So I've grouped grouped my apps. So you can, there is a way. I've got it on my on my website. I'll put a link to it in show notes on how to add spaces. So I've got a, I've got a block of things which are like background apps. So I've got my calendar, mail. Um, I've got this VPN client that we use for work. And they're things that you open and just don't you look at very often and then i've got my sort of design and development apps together and then i've got like productivity ones and messaging and things like that and then i've got like media related apps so stuff like spotify and messages and whatsapp and things like that yeah so i've got it all sort of organized nice yeah i need to figure out my uh, organization it was organized like literally was it last week and just recently i uh, downloaded some uh um, drivers for the Nikon, my Nikon DSLR, and uh, yeah, it's splurged out four or five <laughs> new applications on there. Yeah, and it's just made a mess uh, with some other additional bits and pieces. So yeah, I need to organise that stuff. Yeah, I need a new MacBook. Full stop. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah, that's on your wish list, isn't it? Birthday wish list. I was actually looking at the Razer. I was actually thinking about moving back to Windows. Oh, God, <laughs> don't talk to me. <laughs> No, 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 we're not going to hate on Windows. Um, I used Windows a lot in my last job, but I haven't yeah. really got an opinion on Windows anymore. It's been it's been far too long to use it. I haven't used it in a sort of professional sense in a long time. I was just thinking about it um, because I, I really like the Razer uh, laptop. Um, it's an amazing piece of kit and the finish on it is uh, it's like a matte finish and it's, it's just like super fast, like... You just you just can't you can't come close to it, but the pricing on it is just ridiculous. So the pricing on a MacBook isn't exactly sane, is it? It's about the same as a Mac, to be honest. But 
Yeah, I was looking at it and I was thinking about it. That's going to, I think, as we carry on this episode, that's uh, on the wish list, I think. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> a, a, gaming, a gaming laptop. I think we can move on to that now because you've done all that. Yeah, yeah. The only other thing, thing I've got is like offline tools. So um, one thing I normally have on my desk is uh, I've got a, a dot grid notebook. Uh, oh, they're cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Behance uh, dot grid. I've had it for a while. I don't obviously use it very often. Because uh, yeah. one thing I find with nice notebooks is I don't like to do messy work in them. So I don't use it very often. Yeah. Um, so I have a second notebook <laughs> for my rough work, <laughs> um, which is just a pucker pad, but it's a, a squared one. It's not dots, it's uh, squared paper. So I use that for my general day-to-day sort of note-taking. And then if I'm designing something, I'm actually not... Yeah, if I'm designing something which I'm potentially going to show to someone, show to a client or you know, present in a meeting, then I might use the dot grid book and do things a bit a bit nicer in there. Right. Yeah, and I use this nice GraphGear, GraphGear 1000 pencil, which is, it's got a nice bit of weight to it. And um, depending on the type of lead you put in there, it's got a little wheel on the on the front so you can, you can uh, put a label of the lead, the, the class of lead you've got in there. So if you've got several of these, you can have, you know, HB and 2B in there. Nice. Yeah, it's quite a nice pencil. Um, I actually ordered it off. I ordered it off eBay, I think, and I got it at a bargain mm. price. I got it for like six pounds off eBay because they're, wow. they're they're quite expensive. Otherwise, um, I think when I bought it, it was sort of around the fifteen to twenty pound mark. It was quite expensive. A couple of years ago, I bought it. And I bought it off eBay, and it took. I think it took about eight to nine weeks for it to arrive because <laughs> it, <laughs> it came from China, and I was just like. Oh getting so frustrated I'm on my pencil but they probably made it for you yeah well they're pretty cheap now on Amazon so I might just have to pick up a couple more yeah I think I'm going to pick one up as well yeah they come in nice colours um, yeah that is literally it that's that's all the stuff that I use on a daily basis now so so yeah we mentioned like wish list. so have you got do you, do you use your Amazon wish list? do you like add a lot of stuff to it not really no 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 I've just uh, I just drop hints here and there while the wife's in earshot. <laughs> <laughs> did any of them work for your birthday? Did you get anything nice? Yeah, yeah. The, the, for the birthday, it worked. I was uh, after the the new uh, uh, game for the PlayStation Four, Days Gone. Right. And it's like a, a apocalyptic uh, game, and you're a um, like a guy who's uh, from a, a biker gang, and it's a, there's a massive story around. It. It's an open world game, and you got to travel around on your motorbike, um, discover new parts of this, you know, the the land that you're on. And obviously, you know, you bump into these zombies and stuff and animals like wolves and deer. You got to, like, you carry out tasks for different gangs and different, like, camps that are set up around the map. It's brilliant. And the, the whole story is he has to find his wife. Something's happened to her. They got separated during the evacuation. And the whole, uh, the major arc of this game is to find her, find out what happened to her. So I only just started playing it. And I've carried out so many, like, missions and stuff. I'm loving it. You can tell from my voice. I'm just actually loving this game. But I mentioned it to her because I've been waiting three, four years for this game to come out. And as soon as I found out it was out this year, I just dropped in here shot of my wife while she was like cooking something and it kind of stuck. No, that's good. <laughs> good technique. And uh, yeah, I got, I, you know, I got it for my birthday and I was like, I was well chuffed. So that was one of the things in the wish list that I, that I managed to get hold of. Uh, but the other things that are on there, so like, yeah, a new MacBook Pro. Um, Space Grey, my brother's got one, and 
I actually do like the space grey colour. It does look really nice. Yeah, I've got the space grey as well. It looks nice. Yeah, so uh, that's, on, that's on the wish list. Um, that Razer laptop is definitely on the wish list as well. But, you know, what would I do with two laptops? It's... You get twice the amount of work done. That's what you do with two laptops. Potentially, one for each hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's that. And I just found out recently we you can do remote play on the PlayStation 4 on your on your laptop and uh, the Mac supports it as well. You just need a control pad. Oh, okay. And uh, it's pretty powerful stuff. And that moves on to the next thing that I want, and that's a, a really nice 4K or 8K monitor. <laughs> so a nice a nice big one, because at the moment I'm using, like, well, I was using two monitors and uh, the laptop was like the third one. So I was using all three. And I found that really handy. So I'll have Outlook open in one. So on my laptop, I'll have Outlook open. And then the other two are like together. So, but now I'm back to, to uh, just uh, the one monitor at home with the laptop and one monitor at the office. But I'm looking at getting a, a nice wide uh, wide Dell monitor. I've seen a few. They are pricey, but I need to pick the right one. That's what it is. So that's on there. Okay. So you've got an expensive wish list. It is expensive. I can't think of anything else, uh, to be honest. Mine's um, quite simple, really. I, I do it. My my Amazon wish list at the moment these days. I've gotten the only thing that I've got on there, which is I'm having a look now. That's tech related. Is in fact I haven't got. I've got a uh, the Apple Magic Mouse two because the one I've got is the current battery powered one, and uh, it chews through batteries pretty quick. So I've kept it on my wish list just to see if it drops down in price, and then I'll get it. I mean, it's not that expensive at the moment. It's down to sixty six at the moment. Just to have a rechargeable one, but otherwise my wish list is all like DIY stuff because I'm, <laughs> yeah. Over the past like year, I've been really getting into DIY and like, just feel like having this massive collection of tools in my shed. Yeah. So I've got all sorts of power tools on there and sanders and different saws and blades and all sorts. So yeah, I just sort of check it every couple of days and just see if anything goes on sale and then then you know prices drop and then I'll just those but in terms of like tech wise the only thing i really i need to purchase at some point is uh i do want to get a subwoofer for my speakers because um the bass response on these alesis speakers isn't isn't great right um it has a switch on the back which allows you to do a bass boost but i've got that switched off i don't want i don't think that i should have to turn it on mm. i feel like if i'm turning the bass boost on i'm making the work the speakers work too hard and I don't want to do that in case, you know, that's not good for them long term. Um, so they do have a subwoofer output. So I just need, but they, but Elisis don't actually do a subwoofer that goes with these speakers. I don't think they do one in, at all, in fact. So I'm doing a bit of research. I'm looking for some recommendations on a subwoofer that can just stick sort of under my desk or somewhere near my desk. Cool. Um, so that'll give me some nicer sound. Um, I think that's pretty much it, really, for in terms of tech wish list. I haven't really got. Yeah, I'm quite happy with my desk setup at the moment. Um, I don't really need anything else. So yeah, if you want to buy me some tools, you can. <laughs> I've got contact actually. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that in a bit then. All right, good stuff. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it on my on the list of uh, topics really. Um, have you ever used kit.com? Kit.com, no, what's that? So it's a, basically a site where you can create these kit lists. So you can, 
I've got a couple that I've created on my on my um, profile, uh, and you can just basically talk about the products that you use in that in that kit. So I've got one for my desk setup, and it's just got all the products on there, and uh, then it's got links to you know places where you can buy those from, whether it's Amazon or you know directly from vendor and stuff like that. And it's generally for like the website's aimed at content creators, really. So you got you got a lot of like famous YouTubers on there. People like Marcus Brownlee and, you know, Casey Neistat and stuff like that. Neistat, I don't know how to say his name. And um, they just share, you know, their their gear, basically. And then I've got another kit on there, which is um, for podcasting. My stuff I use for podcasting. So if anyone else is, like, interested in podcasting and they want to see, oh, what does another podcaster use? Well, here you go. These are the actual products that I use. And then links to go and buy them if you want. That's handy, yeah. That's cool. I'll have a look at that. So you could always create one on there and then we could stick that in the show notes. There there. was this, um, um, someone tweeted it yesterday. Um, a, it's called Sizzy and it's a website in essentially, well, it's not a website. It's, um, it's a browser and it's a responsive browser and it's aimed at developers. So you might've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. They, they started off. Well, I haven't seen it recently. I know they started off as a, um, a mock-ups tool where you could like you could put in a URL and it shows you how it looks at different on different screen sizes like media queries. Is that the same one? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. But so now they've got a, an actual browser which you it's pay you got to pay for it. It's not that expensive, and um, yeah, it's, it does everything uh, within there. Uh, and it, I'm not too sure how it uh, syncs with um, you know your existing sort of like uh, dev tools, but it'd be interesting to see how that all sort of works together. So I think I'm going to pick that up this weekend. I'll just uh, download it and see how that works. Because I think it's handy just having that, um, using the, uh, using it in dev tools and just uh, just get a headache switching. Yeah, it's nice that you can see various breakpoints all at the same time, and they're all in sync. Like as you scroll in one, the other scroll as well. Exactly. Yeah, it's really handy. So I think that's on the list. Of new tools, so five pounds, five pounds per month for a for a web browser. When well, you can pay for it up front, right? All of it, you can pay for for a year's. Uh, it's it's billed yearly, so it's a subscription model. It's not a one off purchase. So it's billed annually. Yeah. We'll check it out. Mm. We'll just get hold of it. All right, let us know how it goes. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty much at our time now. Um, so there's nothing else on the list so is there anything any last words anything you want to recommend for this week I don't know guys I think the best thing to do is just go out there and just um, just pick up anything new anything new um, with regards to development and just uh, give it that extra 5-10 minutes like I learnt myself this morning all they needed was another 5 minutes of you know research and reading and get a task done so you know anything out there you pick up just get through it you know as much as you can but spend that extra five minutes on it i guarantee you you know you'll get your you'll get your tasks done all right cool i will speak to you in the next episode yeah. have a good speak weekend you then. Take care.